Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by The Harrier. And today, a lot of stuff happened this previous weekend. Obviously, the Prefontaine Classic just wrapped up. And so we're going to be talking pretty much all about that this weekend, as well as a few other uh, news tidbits, things like that. So uh, definitely want to hop right into it with Prefontaine Classic. So this past weekend um, in Eugene, Oregon, like we just said, for probably the 10th time, we had the Prefontaine Classic. And... um, It was a very, very good meet. So this is our first major, I guess you could say. It's not a major, but it's uh, it was the first like, you know, pretty big competition right after the Olympics. The Olympics happened what about two weeks ago, and so we had a lot of those former uh, medalists, a lot of people that competed at the Olympic Games competing here at Eugene, and uh, so it had a lot of hype around it. Um, the biggest hype coming from the women's 100, which we're definitely going to be getting into in a moment, but overall this was a very hyped meet, and it definitely lived up to all the marks. So looking at the uh, the end results, we had eight uh, records for the Eugene Diamond League, so the Prefontaine Classic, this was Eight records from that. We had seven world leads set across all of the events, uh, three diamond lead records, and then two area records, so national records. I believe that was uh, a thing Mo, who we're going to get into, and then uh, Elaine Thompson Hurrah, which we're going to get into as well. So um, overall, very good meet. It lived up to all the hype. Uh, had a lot of great performances, and um, we're definitely going to be getting into some of those right about now. So the biggest race and the race that everyone is going to be talking about uh, obviously is coming from the women's 100. So this is a competition that you could say was two, three months in the making. We all wanted to have this be the final for the Olympics, but we were robbed of that due to a positive THC test from Shakari Richardson. And so we finally got the race that we all wanted. We had Elaine Thompson Hurrah, Shellyanne Fraser Price, Sharika Jackson, and Shakara Richardson all in the race. Four of the fastest women in the entire world. And we didn't know what was going to happen. Obviously, you had a lot of people on Shakari's side saying that she's going to win. You had a lot of people on Jamaica's side saying one of the three women uh, for Jamaica is going to win. And the biggest thing about this race is that it felt more like it was USA versus Jamaica. Um, with Shikari versus Jamaica rather than each individual athlete against themselves. That's kind of what it felt like. And uh, what we got was a treat nonetheless. So if you're a track and field fan, this was one of the best races you could have possibly seen over the last couple of years. Uh, We saw Elaine Thompson Harav run a 10.54 second in the world, uh, second ever with the world lead in the 100. The world record in the, the women's 100 obviously being 10.49, set by Flojo, and this was an insane race. I mean, Elaine Thompson-Hurrah has now set a personal best every, I think, three times over the last month, which is something that is insane. I mean, her best going into the, going into the season, I believe, was from 2018. She ran a, a 10.7, uh, and then and last year, she, she ran a... 
uh, a 10-9, I believe it was. Uh, she just didn't have a, a fantastic year. I mean, 2019. So she didn't have a fantastic year. And then now she's running a 10.54, which is unheard of, unheard of. I mean, she's .05 seconds away from that world record. And this isn't like any world record. Like this isn't one of the world those records where it's like, oh yeah, like you almost have a world record. Like good for you. Like no, like this is one of those records that was believed to be untouchable. I mean, if you listen to one of my first podcasts, I talk about five of the most unbreakable world records, and I believe this was one of them. If this wasn't, I know this was definitely an honorable mention. But the ten four nine record is something that we weren't supposed to see. Like, we were not supposed to see anyone running these times. And now every time you see Elaine Thompson hurrah on the track, you're going to have to go, oh, man, could this be the day? Is this going to be the day that we, like, you're going to have to do that because she is putting herself in that conversation of not just being one of the greatest sprinters, but being one of the greatest sprinters of all time. This also makes me wonder, where does she rank uh, now just as a greater sprinter of all time? I mean, does, is she going to be better than, is she better than Shelly Ann Fraser-Price? I mean, she has the better PR than Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. She has gone back to back. Uh, she's, she's going for the triple-double in, in track and field. So obviously winning the 100 and the 200, as well as the 4 by one in this Olympics and last Olympics in 2016. And then she's going for it in 2024. And that's not something that Shelly Ann Fraser-Price has done. And seeing how Elaine Thompson is running... And that the fact that she's, what, seven or six years younger than her makes it show that it's going to be tough for Shelly Ann Fraser-Price to win any more Olympic gold medals. I don't know if she's going to be, be running in 2024, but it's going to be tough as long as uh, Elaine Thompson hurrahs here. And so I think that she's the best women's sprinter right now alive easily. Uh, and I'm willing to say that she's the best sprinter alive. I mean... That's yes, we're comparing that to uh, Usain Bolt. And so I would say that she is very much on her way to be the greatest sprinter alive. If not at this exact moment, she is pretty dang close. And 2022 is going to be the biggest deciding factor. Because I believe that what she's done in the, in the women's sprints is, is just as impressive, if not more impressive, than what Usain Bolt did. Uh, now, the, the biggest factor that is the detriment to Elaine Thompson, hurrah, is the fact that her competitions in between Olympic Games have not been great. So uh, she's got a couple fifth-place finishes, sixth-place finishes, like, in, in between Olympics, but when she's at the Olympic Games, that's when she's thriving. And so we're, we need to see, can she be able to post good times at these world championships? Because this next four years are going to be huge for her. I mean, we have four championships, four majors every single year in between now and the Olympics with the world championships, I believe, indoor this upcoming year. And then we have outdoor, I believe, the year after that. And then obviously is the Olympics. I'm sorry. Outdoor is next year. Indoor is the year after that. And then we have the world. Uh, we have the Olympic Games in 2024. So we, she's got a lot of opportunity to be able to really show why she's the greatest sprinter. I mean, she's playing in a different league right now. I mean, she's, she's not trying to just be able to be a champion. She's chasing records. I mean, she's at a point where not a lot of sprinters get to. Not a lot of athletes get to in their career. I mean, there's a very few amount of people that just winning is not enough 
for what they need to accomplish. Like she is at a point where just getting a gold medal is not going to be enough for her. She's at a point where she needs to dominate the competition and break records in order to be fulfilled properly because she has done pretty much everything else at this point. The only thing she hasn't accomplished at this at this current point is the are those world records and if she's breaking the one and the two, I mean, we didn't get to see her in the 200 uh, at pre, so we don't know what, what she would have posted there. But, I mean, could she do it? I mean, she might. She really she really might. It's going to be exciting. Uh, looking forward to seeing how Elaine thompson Hurrah does. Obviously, all the, the Jamaicans, they did the sweep. It was the exact same order, actually, as the Olympics. Uh, so that was something that was that was pretty interesting. But uh, it overall was a, a very interesting race. Um then the uh, the elephant in the room with the women's 100 uh, is definitely going to be uh, Shakari Richardson's finish. So if you didn't see the race, uh, she came in last uh, ninth place with a time of 11.14. Uh, she lost. So to put that in perspective, that is half of a second behind where Elaine Thompson Hurrah was. So. That is a major difference, especially for someone who's ran a 10-7. And so what does this 11.14 mean? Well, it means – it doesn't mean like a ton. She Shakari Richardson is not an 11-1 runner. She is much faster than that. Uh, I think if you look at the race, you'll see that after a couple meters – not a couple, I'd say probably after 50, 60 meters – she kind of realizes that she's out of it. She just is not at the position that the top three athletes are. And it's clear that she doesn't care about coming in fourth through eighth. It was win or bust. She wanted to beat the Jamaicans or it didn't matter. And you could see because she started to kind of peel things back and she ran 11-1-4. I mean, obviously, she, if she wanted to run through the line, she could have come through in a 10-second in a race. But she kind of peeled things back. And so I think there's a few reasons why this competition happened and so you know one would just be you came up short which happens to the best of us i mean sometimes you just come up short uh, so that's one thing that happened or two just you're not at that 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 you know that space with your body because all these other women especially the top three women they're coming off of the olympics and they're coming off of having a excellent training cycle peaking at the right time having excellent races and performances and now you know being able to take that peak and go through towards the uh to towards pre with um with shikari like she didn't have that i mean she ran at the trials and then she wasn't able to to compete and then now she has this meet an, a month or a month or so later like obviously there's going to be issues with how she's going to be competing because she wasn't able to run against other women really uh, except outside of you know during practice so uh, obviously it's there it's one of those two things and i think it's definitely a combination of it i mean the biggest probably is you know the fact that she got thrown into the fire with this race like she went from zero to 100 full steams ahead in the blink of a hat like uh, it's it'd be like going from being you know playing t-ball to then being like you know what you're going right into the mlb because she went from not competing at all to being in the fast one of the fastest races of all time and so it's – and not only that, there was so much media and so much hype ahead of this race that if you don't perform, then it's going to be like, oh, man, I'm letting people down. I mean there were ads before and after the race, uh, Nike ads of her like, you know, slapping her nails against the, uh, you know, the table like, you know, like the, the waiting thing. 
and uh, you know, saying like, "Well, I've been waiting. Like, are you like you're gonna be ready for me when I come here?" And it's like, yeah, she's doing all these outside things outside of training. You're no longer the uh, you know the underdog. You're no longer the hidden gem. You are prime time. Everyone's here to watch you compete. And sometimes when you're 21 years old, I mean, you're just not going to be able to perform under that pressure. I mean, I, like every athlete is going to say, oh, no, you know, pressure, it's, it's nothing. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. But it is. Like you went from no one really knowing who you were a couple months ago to being the biggest, to being the face of track and field in just a few months. And everyone is, is scrutinizing every single op, like decision and opportunity and thing that you make. And so, of course, you're going to have issues and it's not going to go well every once in a while. But, I mean, even after the race, she said, and I quote, this is one race. I'm not done. Count me out if you want to. Talk all that ish if you want because I'm here to stay. And she actually said, uh, you know, she actually cursed in her interview, uh, which I'm sure the, the folks at NBC didn't love. But, yeah, this is one race. It's not going to define her career. The only reason that it's a big deal is because this is her first race back. And so everyone's now seeing this as her being her, you know, kind of coming out because it's her being coming back from, uh, you know, from being out. So um, she kept going with her, you know, Co not not, uh, not cockiness, I guess I would say. I said confidence. Um, throughout, after the race, uh, there's a, an interesting picture of Shellyann Fraser-Price walking behind her in an interview and kind of giving her like a glance. Uh, and then Shikari made that actually her profile photo on Twitter. So she clearly is, you know, taking this, these, um, this, debate uh, full head of steam, which is something that I love. A lot of people don't, but it's the reason that we're talking about this right now. I mean, this was on uh, NBC. This is on the Today Show. You have ESPN talking about it. You have uh, non-track athletes. You have people that aren't fans of our sport that watch the Prefontaine Classic all because of Shakari Richardson. That is the only reason why a, this, this uh, meet probably got so much coverage, all because of her. And so we, our sport has to realize, huh, maybe if we want more people to watch, we should have a little bit more drama. Because the only other reason people are watching is, it, is if it's the Olympics. And that happens every four years. And if you want your sport to grow, you can't just be on top of mind every four years. You need to be on top of mind all the time. You need to be, have people always thinking about your sport. And that's the reason that the NFL and the NBA and all that is interesting. Because there's drama all the time. There's people thinking about it all the time. We're in track and field. The only time sports matter is during the Olympic trials and the Olympics. Every other race means nothing. And so we have to make it mean something by having these types of drama, by having, you know, these athletes that are the heroes, these athletes that are the villains. You have all these storylines and, and you have rivalries and debates and you have to have that because if you don't, then it's just a race and no one cares because it's a nine second race. It's a 10 second race. But the fact that this had so much buildup to it and the fact that this race was so interesting is what made it and is what made people want to watch because it wasn't the actual, you know, race that was the most exciting part of it. Everyone loves the anticipation. It's like when you have Christmas at the, it's almost like the, all the anticipation, the month leading up to Christmas is always better than Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, always better than Christmas Day because it's the anticipation of everything and the buildup and the tension. And that's what makes things interesting. That's what makes sports great. 
And if we don't have that, if we don't have a Shakari Richardson, we don't have any tension, we don't have any buildup, we don't have any fans. And that's what we need. And so, yes, is it going to come and bite you in the butt every once in a while? Of course, because why wouldn't it bite you in the butt every once in a while? But if you don't act out, if you don't have passion, if you don't have spunk, you don't have confidence, no one's going to watch your sport. And that's what we need. And so I'm happy Shikari put herself on uh, a limb to try to be able to do it because it was awesome. And I think we brought more people to watch the sport. Uh, so we talked for 15 minutes. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the 100 for the women. Let's move on a little bit uh, for here in the pre. We'll go to the uh, 800 for the women. Uh, a thing, Mo, she ran a 155.04, made the, uh, created the American record. She beat everyone by a landslide. She actually opened up. Uh, she made a tweet. I couldn't verify it, but she tweeted out saying that she opened up in 55 seconds. And so if she's opening up in 55 seconds, closing in a minute, imagine when she can start closing a little faster. <laughs> like imagine when she can start opening up in 55 and she starts closing in 58, 57. Oh man, she's going to be dangerous, man. She is going to be crazy. Once a thing Mo starts opening up in 55, closing in 57, no one's going to stop her. I mean, she's really got an awesome chance of being the, one of the greatest middle distance runners of all time. I mean, we're, this is obviously me talking way in the future, but she has the potential to do it. I mean, she's what, 19 years old running 155s? Like, if she can do that now, um, I'm interested to see what she's going to do when she actually hits her prime. Because athletes in track and field, your prime isn't going to be until you're about 24, 25 years old. So she's still growing. She's still developing. She's still finding her stride. And so once she actually hits that is when it's going to be interesting. Because her the 2024 Olympics is probably closer to when she's actually in her prime. She'll be what, 24 at that point? So that's going to be kind of when she's, you know, her prime Olympics. I guess you could probably say 2028 will also be similar. But, uh, yeah, she's going to be in a really good spot to be the face of a, a sport for a while. Uh, she said this is going to be her last race of the year. She plans on going on vacation. Uh, Well-deserved. She's had a long season been able to capture national records, been able to capture uh, Olympic champions, uh, Olympic golds. Um, and so she's just been an amazing pillar for the sport. Uh, now, the only uh, award that she says she wants to win is the Bowerman, uh, which she should win. The only other person I think that's really kind of in the running for that is her teammate Tyra Gittens, who under any other year would probably win this thing. But the fact that we had, uh, you know, we had this uh, big racer who is the number one, uh, one of the best runners of all time in there. It's going to make it, it's going to make it tough, but um, excited to see how she does. Uh, SBs, you messed up. You should have given it to, uh, to a thing. Mo, she should be the one that, that won the best athlete of the year. Should, you should have at least nominated her at least. Come on, be respectful. Uh, then let's go over to the 100 again, but on the men's side, uh, we saw Andre de Grasse win in a time of 974. Uh, Fred Curley came in second with a time of 978. Other notable uh, times, Michael Norman in his first 100 of the year ran a time of 9.9, .9, and then Gatlin once again runs a sub-10 race of 9.93 at the age of 39. He's about to be 40 very soon. So uh, DeGrasse just shows that he's Mr. Consistent. Like he has been very, very consistent throughout his entire career. Um, and I, that's something that obviously is going to be 
great when it comes to your legacy. I mean, he's always been running in these times. He's he was just point oh, I guess point oh two seconds off of being the. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That was the world lead. Sorry, Curly was point oh two seconds off of having the world lead there. If he had if he had won, uh, uh, but. It was um yeah this is going this is a crazy time for DeGrasse it's it's great for him and I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to build off of this is he going to then run is he going to run any faster are we going to see a nine six a nine five out of him or is he just going to be super consistent in these nine sevens and nine eights that he's running uh, I'm hoping that he can he can kind of get over that hump uh, and not just be very consistent but be even better uh, with his consistency. Um, like we said, Fred Curley running a 978. Uh, this would have been the second best time in the world. Um, you know, 20 day, like, you know, the day before, uh, if he had ran this. So 978 from a guy that was a 400 meter runner, not what, seven months ago was pretty much only exclusively training the 400 to now be running a 978. Extremely impressive. Uh, he mentioned in an interview that he plans on doing not only the 100 uh, but and the 200, but he wants to close out the season running a 400 meters. Uh, and so I'm going to be interested. It's going to be interesting. I wonder if he's going to be running, uh, if he can get that 42 that he wants to have. Everyone knows he has that phase 42. Uh, I'll be interested to see if he can do it. I think he can. Um, if, if we're talking who are the best sprinters right now, uh, Elaine Thompson hurrah is the best sprinter right now. Best female sprinter as well, obviously. And then, uh, on the men's side, I have, uh, Fred Curley being the, the best sprinter for the men because of his range that he has. Like he can do anything from the 100 up to the 400. Hell, I'm sure if you wanted to get into an 800, he could probably be running, you know, 148s, one, like 147. So, uh, he is just been super dominant. Uh, Norman, uh, nine, nine is respectable. I mean, he beat some good people here. I mean, he, but he beat Gatlin, uh, Gillespie, Isaiah young. So he beat some good runners. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see if this is going to be a race that he'll look into doing more in the future or was it just a one-off thing? I mean, uh, I, I hope that he does run a few more to give it a shot to see if he could run even faster. Cause if he does ever run like a nine, eight, uh, or a nine, uh, you know, a low nine, eight or, you know, a nine, seven high, this might be something that he wants to take a look into. And so the nine, nine lets him know, I think he came in fifth, gives him the idea like, Hey, I can run this race. I'm not the fastest right now, but, uh, I was also training 400s almost exclusively. And so to do this without, you know, even looking into the 100, you know, can bode some confidence in him. Then, uh, Finishing off in the Prefontaine Classic highlights, uh, 200. Noah Lyles ran a 19.52, uh, won the race, beating uh, Kenny Bednarik, ran a 19.8, who uh, beat him at the Olympics, I believe. Did he run? Was he the one that ran? Came in second? I think so. Yeah, I hope. Oh man, I'm gonna be sound like an idiot if he didn't, but I believe he did beat him in the Olympics. Uh, his brother then, Josephus Lyles, ran a 20.03, uh, which was a personal best for him. But uh, yeah, Lyles has had a really good bounce back. I mean, he he showed that he didn't really do as well as he wanted to in the Olympics, and then to come back and run a 19.52, almost a PR, is huge for him. And so. For him, the biggest the biggest obstacle is the exact opposite of Andre de Grasse, um, which is consistency. He is not a very consistent runner, at least of late. He's shown that he has flashes of greatness, that he can run these 19 fives, 
but he has also run very, very poorly uh, for his standards. Not very poorly in general, like he's running very fast, but for his standards and wanting to be, you know, a top-level sprinter, like he's done, he's had a few poor performances. And so I'm hoping that he can, you know, bring bring out his consistently consistency a little more uh i would also love to see a little more range i think that he has potential to do better in the 100 um but uh yeah great win for noah lyles uh it's great to see him back in the saddle wonder what he's going to do the rest of the season so that's going to be prefontaine uh then we had kind of a new story it wasn't i mean you never plan on talking about these things but it's it's something that's interesting um especially with what's going on when it comes to mental health within track and field and a lot of the, the things that we've been bringing it up. But uh, Sydney McLaughlin, obviously the world record holder in the 400-meter hurdles, posted a video on her Instagram where she was uh, she showed a video that she had taken actually right after the Olympic trials. Um, and so it was a video that's happened a, a month or so ago, and she is talking about how she doesn't feel like she's getting the respect that she deserves. And that she doesn't want the fame and she wants people to respect her for what she does on the track, not based off of what her looks are or how many followers she has. She mentioned that after the Olympic trials, uh, many of the people that have been in her corner or had said they've been in her corner her entire life, uh, or at least as a, a teammate, didn't really reach out to her uh, con with, with congratulations or didn't support her in the way that she thought that they would. Uh, and we don't know exactly what those were said, obviously she's keeping that, she's keeping that private, but it was a very vulnerable and emotional video that she posted. Um, it showed how she feels that she's not getting treated how she should be as an athlete and, uh, that there's some people that don't like the things that she says. Maybe it's, they don't, people don't like the religion that she's bringing into it or how important her faith is. But it's like, that don't, that shouldn't matter. Like, she is one of the greatest athletes right now. And the fact that the toxicity of social media is bringing that down is is very difficult. Because, like, she she's 21 years old. And she is one of the biggest names in track and field. Like... The, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of athletes that I, I, I hope that their mental health's going well. Like, I mean, Shikari Richardson, I hope that her mental health is okay because she's, she's just been gone through the ringer over the last 24 hours. Like she has been at the highest highs, the lowest lows, had a lot of people just talking trash. A lot of people with a lot of followers talking trash about her, just breaking her down. Same, some people that claim to support her just about, you know, a month ago are now just talking about how terrible of an athlete they are and, and sim similar things with Sydney McLaughlin. Like a lot of people are, are just not giving her the credit she deserves um, you know, unfairly. And, uh, she has a, she has an excellent video talking about it. I'd recommend looking at it. If you, if you don't, um, me describing it, isn't doing it any justice. She gets, she really gives a good outlook on what she's been going through in her video. So I definitely recommend taking a look at that. But, um, yeah, that's going to be everything for us here. Uh, next week, uh, big meet in Switzerland, La Swain. I 
definitely butchered the heck out of that, but uh, that's going to be a good one. Um, so take a look at that meet. Uh, we'll definitely be, be covering what happens there, but I want to wrap this up because this is obviously a, a little bit of a longer one. Um, yeah, hope that you enjoy. Obviously, we uh, want to make sure that you take a look at our videos for or inter interviews that we have going on. There's been a lot of uh, great ones. We have a lot of good ones with future with Olympians, uh, future Olympians and past and medalists and all that coming out. So go enjoy that. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed this, uh, please make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review. Really helps us know that you're enjoying the content. Only takes about five seconds. So if you could take that time out of your day, uh, it would really uh, mean a lot to us. Um, awesome. So have a good one. Talk to you soon. Peace.